Hello, everybody, and welcome back to episode 51 of Pigskins and Nylon, presented by TabEase.com, the best Delta edible on the market. I'm Wally Lukashensky, and I'm joined today by my good friends and co-hosts, Casey Mock and Hayden Ramsey. Let's say hello to the boys, and we're going to start with Hayden first tonight. How are you feeling? I know you were battling COVID last week. You about back to normal now? I have survived COVID round two. Thankfully, this time, I'm not going to lie, it was it was pretty mild, at least for me. So I kind of got lucky, I think. But, you know, nothing out of the ordinary. So I've been back at back at work this week. I guess you only have to quarantine five days now, but I had to wear a mask all week at practice. I had to go five more days with a mask, which to me doesn't make any sense. Like, if I'm still contagious, then I probably should stay home. But if I'm not, then why do I have to wear a mask everywhere? I don't know. It doesn't make any sense, but I survived. Yeah, we're at that point in the world now where it's just like things are changing so often. It's hard to keep track of things, but it is good to hear that you're doing well. Very happy to have you back. You weren't here for 50, so that's a bummer. But hey, 51 special because your Buccaneers got to win. Regrettably, Casey and I, our NFL teams, didn't fare so well in Super Wild, super wild Card Weekend. Excuse me, Casey, outside of the Steelers game, I know you were talking about, hey, students weren't there the last few days. A little bit different of a week. How are you doing, buddy? Yeah, man. Well, my, my Steelers did exactly what I thought they would. It gave me a little bit of hope there at the beginning of the game and then, you know, ended up getting their butt smacked by, by clearly the better team, in my opinion. I think Kansas City's probably the best team in the AFC still. But other than that, yeah, I'm doing all right. Like what, like we were saying before, you know, no students on Monday, Tuesday, or Wednesday. I don't know why Hayden's giving me this look. If he thinks that the Bengals are the best team in the AFC, then he's... The, the, the Chiefs? You're saying the Chiefs are better than the Bills right now? No way. The Bills are on a different level right now. We're going we're gonna to definitely find out this weekend, but my money is going to be on Kansas City all day long. But anyway, looking forward to this good good slate of Big Ten basketball games along with the playoff games this weekend. Really excited about that. But Wally, how are you doing, my man? I'd be lying to tell you if the last few days, it's been hard to get into football. I do loss of down on Wednesdays, which is an NFL podcast. And doing the prep work for that this week was as difficult as I could ever remember. It's just when you get your heart ripped out, whether it be a college football playoff, the NFL playoffs, it takes a while to get over, especially when you know the team you support doesn't get there very often. So it's been a tough week in that front. And ironically, talking about that Bills and Chiefs game, on that show, my co-host and I, we have a wager going on that game, a friendly little wager where if the Chiefs win, who I believe two will win, then he has to next year, he's a Packers fan, wear a Bears jersey of my choice for the Bears-Packers matchup the first time they play, and vice versa if the Chiefs lose, it's ironic. I have to root for the Chiefs not to wear a Chiefs uniform, but I'm going to have to wear a Chiefs jersey the first Raiders-Chiefs matchup next year if they lose, and I am already dreading it. Just because the moment I put that bet on, my confidence level fell through the floor. I was really confident until I know I might have a jersey to wear, and now all of a sudden, confidence is gone. Dude, I'm actually like kind of into... I, I, I'm a believer in the Bills. I Actually, I think they're really good, and I, and I think this weekend... Obviously, they're playing on the road, but Kansas City's only a point-and-a-half favorite, so basically what Vegas is saying is on a neutral side, they they would favor the Bills, which, I don't know. I, I think it's going to be a good game, but I think the Bills are going to squeak it out. 
that I saw on top of the point and a half. It, it factors into that week five matchup where the Bills went to Arrowhead and went 38 to 20. And that was obviously a very different team for both of those. It's been a long time for the Chiefs. They've kind of got things clicking, not to mention they lose the turnover battle in that game four to nothing and still made that a game in the second half before they pulled away late. So I, I'm a, I don't know. Until the Chiefs kind of get knocked off, I just won't believe it's going to happen. But what do you guys say we, we get into what we do here, and that is Big Ten sports, and what we always start with is, Casey, let's go to you. Your recruiting corner. Let us know what's been going on in football and basketball the last week. Yeah, as you could kind of imagine, another slow week here as we inch closer to the February signing day in a couple weeks. No new commits in the class of 2022, but there were a couple for 2023. Michigan State lands a nice four-star running back. Oh, I'm, I'm going to butcher both these names too. Kendrick Riscano out of the state of Texas. And then Michigan lands a four-star tight end, Andrew. Oh, this is going to be tough. Rappalia out of Massachusetts. I don't know. Uh, two pretty solid commits there for both the Michigan teams in 2023. No new basketball commits for any of the Big Ten teams either. Uh, some transfer portal news that I thought was interesting. Northwestern quarterback Hunter Drop. Hunter Johnson transfers back to Clemson. If you guys remember, he was a five-star quarterback, transferred from Clemson to Northwestern. He is now going back to Clemson. I thought that that was really interesting. Former Texas quarterback Casey Thompson is transferring to Nebraska. And then the last little interesting move in the portal was Penn State starting running back Noah Kane is transferring to LSU. So that's all we have there for Casey's recruiting corner this week. Is there anything that really stood out to you guys? Just, I guess, the Hunter Johnson news. You don't, how, I mean, how often have you ever seen a guy transfer back into his school, whether it be football or basketball? So that's a little different. I mean, Ryan Holinsky, I know, took over a large part of the duty this year, and then right behind him, Andrew Marty. So I know he didn't think he was going to get the, the reps there. So it makes it a little weird that he would be transferring back to Clemson of all places. But hey, that guy obviously loved that campus, even if he's going to be a backup. Hopefully he enjoys his time there in Death Valley. But that's about all I had from that. Well, yeah, and you think of Clemson's quarterback situation. They still have DJ Uyunglele, uh, who'll be back next year. And then they then they have Cade Klubnik, who is coming in this year, who was uh, a very highly rated quarterback. So it's just an interesting like dynamic. I don't even know why Clemson would accept his commitment back from the transfer portal just very strange it is strange but hey Casey thanks again for the recruiting corner news hopefully we get that firing up a little bit more here the next coming months weeks at the very least Hayden how about you we're going to flip it over how about you let us know what happened this last week in the Big Ten basketball conference and then we'll get a little dissecting on whatever we think is worth talking about out of those groups so this week in basketball we we actually had a, a really cool week and we saw at least one upset and a couple really, really, really good games. Starting on Thursday the 13th, uh, Wisconsin beat Ohio State in a game that uh, Wisconsin controlled pretty much the whole way. They were really effective at uh, slowing down that Ohio State offense and made them uncomfortable all night. Iowa beat Indiana. Uh, Keegan Murray had a huge game for Iowa. And I don't know if we're going to talk about this ever, but... He, I think Keegan Murray might be my pick for conference player of the year. He's been absolutely balling. Uh, if you look at his stats, he's been he's been crazy. 
Purdue Great. beat Nebraska. No surprise there. Illinois beat Michigan by 15. Michigan shot horribly from three that, that game. Uh, the upset that I was talking about, Northwestern, and this game was, was really good, and Northwestern even tried to give it away at the end. Northwestern beats Michigan State on the road. Uh, Michigan State had a couple – they had a one-and-one. One. They were down by two. They had a one-and-one one the tie, and I forget who was at the line, but he missed the first the first free throw, and Northwestern got the rebound and won that game. So pretty big upset there. On Sunday, Ohio State beat Penn State uh, at home. Ohio State had a pretty good, you know, average – Five to ten point lead the whole game. Iowa beat Minnesota. Purdue. This this game was amazing. I don't know if you guys watched it. Purdue beat Illinois on the road in double overtime. And uh, I didn't I didn't turn this game on until late. But as, as I was watching the score, it, it was just close throughout. I had to turn it on. So Purdue ended up pulling that game on the road. It was a, a really really good game. A great environment. Indiana beat Nebraska on the road. Ohio State absolutely demolished IUPUI in some sort of a uh, make-up rescheduled game by like 50, so that was that was funny. Wisconsin wins a tight game at Northwestern. Johnny Davis does what Johnny Davis does, scored 27 points, 8 rebounds, 3 steals. And Michigan getting back on the right track. They beat Maryland. They shot 58% from the field, so hopefully that, that keeps Michigan rolling or trending in the positive direction. And then yesterday... Rutgers beat Iowa by two, and Ron Harper hit two free throws with two seconds left to give Rutgers a two-point lead. And as you can tell, uh, with that with that final score, forty-eight to forty-six, you know both defenses really were able to bog down the other team and and make it you know a slugfest, ugly, big traditional Big Ten looking game. So that was very interesting to see. Casey, I actually want to go to you first because I saw your face light up and you were trying to get in there when Keegan Murray and Hayden brought up his player of the year talk. Do you have, I guess, feelings that were positive or negative about that? Because again, I saw your face kind of really light up as soon as he said that. No, very positive. The dude has been absolutely balling, like Hayden said. But I just wanted to to ask, because I couldn't remember if any of us picked him on our on our six-man rosters. And I went back and looked, and none of us have him on there, which is really, really interesting. And... I have honestly, I haven't looked at this in, in quite a while. I, <laughs> I'm just assuming who hasn't played a single minute for Ohio State as my fourth pick. But other than that, you know, my team's still still balling a little bit. But yeah, that's the that's really the only thing that I had to say there when he brought up Keegan Murray. Hey, Casey, can, do, if do you have that up, can you give us a a refresher on our picks? Because I, I honestly, I totally don't even know who I picked. I would like to uh, see how I'm doing. Yeah, I feel like you. You're saying that because you know who you have and who you snuck in with that fifth pick. No, I, I'm I'm dead ass. I literally do not remember. Okay. I think I picked Trace Jackson Davis, but I'm not sure. No, I I got Trace Jackson Davis. You, ah. you had Hunter Dickinson, EJ Liddell, Andre Curbelo, Cal Young, Jaden Ivey was your fifth pick, and then Geo Baker was your sixth. I had Kofi Coburn, Trace Jackson Davis, Eric Ayala. Justice Suing, Bryce McGowan's, Ryan Harper Jr. And then Wally had Travion Williams, Caleb Houston, Jordan Bohannon, Trent Frazier, Musa Diabate, and Max Christie. Oh, Jesus. So. And, and Johnny Davis is a free agent still. <laughs> yeah, Johnny Davis and Keegan Murray. So, show, shows how much we know, huh? Hey, I, I my team was bad enough. I'm going to get the first overall pick in next year's draft. This was a long tank project, so no problem on my end. 
But just a couple notes I wanted to point out here on the, this week's games anyways. For one, Michigan, I know that they started the week a little slow because they did lose that game to Illinois, but that's not really a damning thing right now. Everybody's struggling with how powerful that they are, and Illinois is still grossly underrated even at 17. We're seeing them really hit their stride too. In that game, you said it, Hayden, double overtime. Felt like Purdue kind of wore them down by getting that lead early. That's the benefit when you have teams that are built the way they are. If you are able to get up early, even if you are able to come back like Illinois does, you often see teams not have enough in the gas tank to be able to get over the hump, and that's what happened there. But outside of that, it's more or less, for me, Michigan State, they lose that game to Northwestern. Casey and I last week, when it was just us, we were talking about how that's a team that has looked a lot better than their record has shown. And Michigan State now loses that game, and that's a turn right around. And Hayden, you're going to be able to talk about this here in a second as we throw it into next week's games. But Michigan State has two ranked matchups this upcoming week. And coming off that loss, I think we're really going to find out a lot about this Michigan State team. Not, We really don't have, I feel like, a really good gauge on them yet. They got beat up on that opening night against Kansas and since then have looked really good, but haven't exactly played world beaters. So this week, especially, I think they're going to have Illinois. It's going to be a really fun test for them. Yeah, and I actually follow a Michigan State beat writer on Twitter just just because I like his writing and I like just following kind of what he does. But I was I was watching or going through his tweets and then I read an article that he wrote after the game. And he basically, in the simple way of saying it, said this Michigan State needed humbled. That, yes, they were winning games that they were getting by, but they were doing a lot of things that you typically don't get away with in, in conference play. And for them to drop a game, especially at home like this, I, I, I think it might refocus them and, and give more energy back to doing things the way they should. And, and that's not saying that Michigan State's not good or anything, but just that they, they might come out refocused and have a better mentality moving forward. Uh, you guys basically, you know, touched on every single game that I was going to Wisconsin getting its revenge on OSU, Michigan being down pieces, but still playing like garbage against Illinois, big time win for Northwestern. I thought the Sunday games were really key for Ohio State and Iowa, and they were both able to, what am I looking for, to prevent an upset, I guess, against two pretty quality teams, I guess. And then, I, man, I was so upset that I didn't know when the start time was for that Purdue-Illinois game. And then I think Hayden texted in our group chat, was like, hey, did you guys watch the Purdue-Illinois game? I was like, uh, no, because I believe it started at noon, right? Yeah, I, I had no idea. Um, and so I'm, I'm pretty upset that I missed that game. It looked to be one heck of a game. Michigan, you know, looked like the team that we kind of thought they would against Maryland. I think, Wally, you mentioned that. Um, so hopefully they're getting – going in the right direction. And then Rutgers upsetting Iowa in what looked to be one of the ugliest, most boring games in the entire season so far. I I'm, I did not watch that, and I'm really glad I didn't. But, yeah, I mean, not not too much more to, to say on any of those games. Yeah, you guys want to know uh, something? I've been harping on this for a while. Andre Curbelo is back for Illinois. He was back for this game. And I know they lost, but he he made it. Uh, he hasn't played since November, and he had a, a really big impact on this game. He scored twenty points, uh, six rebounds, and three assists during this game. So I, I think that's going to be really really good for the Illini moving forward to get to get him back. 
Yeah, you've been talking about it all year, and it feels like it took them from being a fringe Big Ten championship team to a national title threat. Because, I mean, he really does add a different element to, I mean, that offense when they're out there. I mean, he's even a two-way player, too. I mean, so, I mean, I think Illinois is going to be a very tough out here, whether it be the Big Ten tournament or the NCAA tournament. But what do you say now, Hayden? You want to spitfire the games that we're going to be looking at next week that are coming up, especially, like I said, a couple ranked matchups with Michigan State. Yeah, exactly. We we have um, a, a few big games coming up uh, tonight, actually, January 20th. Purdue plays at Indiana. I think that's actually like a sleeper game because Indiana is, is actually pretty good, and then playing at home always gives them that boost. That place, is, that place can get crazy when Indiana's rolling. Illinois goes to Maryland tomorrow, on Friday. Uh, Michigan State is, is then at Wisconsin on Friday. That that's that's one of the big games this week. And Michigan State is looking to kind of bounce back from that Northwestern loss. On Saturday, uh, Rutgers at Minnesota, Penn State at Iowa, and then Nebraska was supposed to be at Ohio State, but Nebraska has COVID, so that game is now postponed. On Sunday, Northwestern plays at Purdue, and Michigan plays at Indiana. This is actually a big week for Indiana. If they can get these two wins, that's that's huge for them. I'm surprised they're not ranked right now. Monday, we have nothing. Tuesday, Michigan State at Illinois, another big-time game. Maryland at Rutgers, and Wisconsin at Nebraska. Finishing up on Wednesday, Northwestern plays at Michigan, and Penn State plays at Indiana. Yeah, Hayden, uh, you mentioned that there was – Two pretty big games for Indiana on the slate here. I I agree, and I think it's a it's a perfect opportunity for them to kind of put themselves up in the upper tier of the Big Ten if they can do it. But also, I think obviously, I think these are two really big games for Michigan this week to get get on track. They're tri- they're trickier games at Indiana. It's going to be difficult on a Sunday. That place is going to be jumping. And then being able to beat a team like Northwestern, who's, you know, average in the Big Ten, but just came off a massive win against Michigan State. So really looking forward to how Indiana and Michigan both respond this week. Really looking forward to these ranked matchups. I think Michigan State-Wisconsin will be a really fun one tomorrow night. And like you mentioned, Purdue and Indiana, I mean, that's a rivalry. That's going to be a big, big game tonight. Other than that, looking forward to the the ranked matchups and the tricky low-key games to see if, if other teams can avoid upsets this this week. It's like you were in my actual head there, too, because I even wrote down the word tricky for Michigan because coming off that win that they just had, and they did look like the team that we expected them to look like this year, these are two games now that they can really kind of stamp that we're back. And even a split, I feel like it's disappointing at this point of the year now. So Michigan, real good opportunity to... I guess, prove that they're still a team to be reckoned with in the Big Ten. And Michigan State, I won't go any more on them because I already told you guys before, but we do get a chance to figure out about them. And both of these games are on the road. And ironically enough, the higher-ranked team, I think, is the better chance for them to get a win this week against Wisconsin. It's going to be an uphill road. I think if they play both those games competitively and find a way to win one, that Tom Izzo would be thrilled. But my last note I wanted to say here on these week's game anyways is Indiana, like you guys have said, we went into this year, at least I did, thinking Mike Woodson was a stale hire. Like, what are we really doing here? This is Indiana basketball. If we expect them to ever become Indiana basketball again, Mike Woodson's not the guy. 
And what has he done? He's really, I mean, this team's 11-0. They're defending, or 11-0 at home. Let me excuse myself. They're defending home court. They're winning the games that they have to win. And they're competing even when they aren't there. So tonight's matchup with Purdue, you guys will know the result by the time it's out, you guys at home. This is a real big opportunity for Indiana, like you said, to not only say that we're a good basketball team, to kind of put themselves in that upper tier of Big Ten teams. So big opportunity for Indiana and big opportunity for Purdue. They brought themselves within one loss of the Big Ten lead with beating Illinois. And the way they are, there's no reason to believe they can't win out even. So Purdue's very much alive in the Big Ten. Very under the radar matchup tonight. Looking very much forward to it. Hey, hey, don't don't let me in with you on Mike Woodson. I'm pretty sure I was the only pro Mike Woodson hire in this group. I couldn't remember. That's why I said I know that I thought it was a stale hire. Yeah, I think I was right there with you, Wally. I'm very happy to be proven wrong because Indiana basketball, it's one of those old school It's good when it's when they're it's it's fun when they're good. Exactly. It's for like the equivalent of, I feel like Big Ten football, it's kind of like the Michigan resurgence. When Michigan's good, the Big Ten feels healthier. As much as that sucks as we are Buckeye fans, it's just good when you have those traditional powers powerful. We want to remind you guys that Pigskins and Nylon is brought to you by Tabbies.com, the best Delta 8 THC edible on the market. It's sugar-free, keto-friendly, gluten-free, heat-resistant, made of 100% pharmaceutical-grade ingredients with consistent dosing for the perfect edible experience. But hey, if you're not into Delta 8 THC, that's not a problem. Tabby's offers an option with no THC while using the same proprietary drug delivery system to ensure that guaranteed dosage of CBD. Right now, Tabby's.com offers three flavors, galactic fruit, watermelon, and mint. Mint is my personal go-to, and it's perfect anytime you are feeling anxiety and stress running your life. As some of you may know, I've been battling depression and anxiety for a long time. Products like this really help me when I'm feeling overwhelmed. It's not a quick fix, but it really has helped me, and I'd recommend them to anybody, even if they weren't our sponsor. So please make sure you do follow them on Instagram and Facebook, at Tabby's Co. That's Tabby's Co. spelled T-A-B-E-A-S-E-C-O to be the first to know when they drop. You can get any of these products at tabease.com, and with the promo code BIG10, you can get 20% off your entire order and free shipping. Let's get into some other news around the Big Ten now. Bruce Feldman tweeted out yesterday, which was Wednesday, that Jim Harbaugh would likely say yes to the Las Vegas Raiders head coaching position if he was offered. So before we get into the what happens if he does leave, I want to go to you guys. Do you still believe that he will leave? And I know that I'm still up in the air about what the Raiders want to do because Mark Davis is so unpredictable. It's a very volatile kind of culture in Vegas. So it's it's far from a for sure that he's going to be a Raiders head coach next year. I think that if he does go to the NFL, it's going to be the Raiders. And honestly, I would put... The, the, the longer that it goes on, the more that I think he's going to go to the NFL, to be honest with you. So if this keeps on dragging on, I, I think it's going to be the Raiders. But right now I would put it at a, I mean, a 50-50 shot that he goes. I know that's a bland answer, but I, I truly think it could go either way. Uh, I, don't, I don't know. I, I, for some reason in my mind, I still think this is a play – for Harbaugh to try to get some of his money back that he lost from the last year. But 
every day that we keep getting more and more news, and especially from somebody, somebody like Bruce Feldman. I mean, that guy's not a BSer. I mean, he's not going to make something up. He he must have heard that from somebody who has direct knowledge to this. So I I don't know. I I tend to think that he's going to stay. I'd put it at like sixty forty that he stays in in my mind. It's weird too because just because he is is expressing interest doesn't mean that the Raiders are saying this is our number one guy. And this might be just Jim Harbaugh saying, hey, Vegas, I want to be your head coach. Really entertain that possibility. It doesn't really reflect, I think, what the Raiders think yet. We don't know what the GM hiring process is because if a GM comes in, they're going to want to have a say in the head coach and the quarterback that is going to be there. And if Jim Harbaugh is there, you'd imagine that he's going to have a lot of power in the, the actual personnel department. So that's where I still think I'm kind of closer to you, and I think it's going to, I'd say two-thirds of me thinks that he is going to be the Michigan head coach next year. But at the same point, it's the Raiders. And the Raiders are about as unpredictable as it gets. And I don't I don't know how I feel. I really don't know how I feel. Casey, who do you think, is that, let's say hypothetically Harbaugh leaves, who should... Michigan replace him with should they should they go in house or they should they do or, or you know do a, a nat, nationwide search for somebody? Well, the difficult part about that is that all of the best coaches are settled in right now. Like they missed out on them the past month and a month, a month and a half. So the the first guy that comes to mind when you think of doing a nationwide search is Matt Campbell. He's a young, energetic guy, and I feel like Michigan is a step above Iowa State, at least. So I would try to get Matt Campbell, and if you can't, then then there are plenty of guys in-house. You know, Josh Gaddis was getting some head coaching love this offseason. I, I personally don't think that he is qualified to step right into a big role like that. But then I've also heard people like Mike Hart, and he Mike Hart has not been in the coaching profession long enough or has the experience of even being an offensive coordinator and coordinating his own offense. So it'd be, it'd be one heck of a jump to have to run an entire team. So I have no idea. I don't, I don't know what Michigan would do, to be honest with you. But when we find out, I guess, is when I'll start wrapping my head around what I think they should do. Now, I know that you're not a Michigan fan anymore. You were for a long time. You have a lot of family that are Michigan fans, so you're still dialed in with that program. Do you think that if he did leave the Vegas or leave for Vegas at this stage of the year, and like you said, that they really kind of robbed Michigan then of a chance to really look at the coaching carousel, do you think that would sour Michigan fans' perception of Harbaugh and what this last season really meant if he did leave? I don't think it would take anything away from the season. That was one of the best seasons in Michigan, you know, school history. But I do think that they would be salty that, that I mean, you got to understand the timing of this would be absolutely horrible for Michigan fans and, and the program. The, you know, signing day is less than a month away and Michigan is in on a couple couple big guys and obviously the head coach leaves that's more than likely you you know you're out on them and then what happened with Xavier Worthy might happen again to some of their bigger recruits this year so 
it'll be really interesting to see what happens in the recruiting trail. And, you know, college football is dominated by who gets the best recruits. So, yes, I can see them being salty. If I were a Michigan fan, I would be salty too. But, you know, dude's got to do what he's got to do. I'm going to go on the record and say that if they stayed in-house and hired Josh Gaddis to be the head coach, it would be a complete disaster because I am not high on him at all, and I do not think that he would do a good job whatsoever. I think they would give Mike Hart some leeway, I, I don't, but I don't think he's going to be the guy. If they promote Gaddis, I think it's going to be like a uh, Luke Fickle kind of trial, you know, trial and error there because – I, I'm right there with you, Hayden. I don't think Gaddis would be the guy. And they're so late in this coaching search. Like, they they would be so late in it that they would just have to basically give it to him and say, here you go. And then, you know, Michigan goes seven and six, finds their next guy next year, and, you know, let's go with Gaddis. I'm, I'm going to throw out some names that I think would be interesting or, or guys that I would target. And I'm not saying that any of them or all of them are realistic, but here's some guys I would target first. The first guy I would target immediately is Luke Fickle. I would look at Matt Campbell. And then I have some, some under-the-radar names I think would do a good job. One, and I know he just took a new job, Mario Cristobal. I think that would be an interesting hire. and I, It's not really realistic because he just changed jobs. But if he didn't, that would have been interesting. I think that Kyle Whittingham at Utah would be a a great hire, actually. I know he's not like the young gun guy that everybody seems to be hiring, but he always has like hard-nosed football teams, and he's not doing it with like the most talent, and he can definitely attract more talent to Michigan than he does at Utah. And if he can get that same mentality, you know, at Michigan, that would be, you know, a really, really good hire in my opinion. I think Mark Stoops could be interesting. He's he's had a decent run at Kentucky, and just like Kyle Whittingham, he can recruit much, much better at a place like Michigan than Kentucky ever could. And last, and this is probably I maybe one of the most unrealistic ones, but I would go after Pat Fitzgerald really hard because I love him and I think he does great. I, I just don't know if he would ever leave his alma mater. What what about Chip Kelly? See, I, I actually thought about that, but I just don't think his brand or like I just don't think he would be a good mesh, if that makes sense. I I don't know. No, I agree with you. He's a Pac twelve guy all all day long. That seems like it would literally be the Rich Rod two in Michigan and it just you know how it worked the first time. I know some people say that they didn't give enough time to see it through, but are you really willing to say Let's sit for four years and wait until his guys are ready to play. I don't think that you'd want to see that. I don't think you'd expect to see it. But one thing about Josh Gaddis, when you brought him up, and you kind of mentioned it sounds like it'd almost be an interim tag without being an interim tag. It's I hate to keep bringing up NFL this episode, but it's a lot like with Houston in the Texans, David Culley this year, they brought him in, and for better or worse, I kind of feels like the only reason they brought him in is to be a stopgap for a year. They knew it was going to be miserable. They didn't want the stink on whoever they wanted their head coach to be. So they brought him in. I could see it being, unfortunately for Michigan fans, at this stage of the calendar year, that would be what it would be like. Hey, Josh Gaddis, we need you to keep the ship righted basically for a year. Because come December, 
or come January, we're going to be the first ones in there, nose into the coaching carousel. And with J.J. McCarthy and with the momentum and the fact that it's just Michigan, you know that there would be people interested. Just I don't think that they want to settle right now. And if you're going after some of these na- like national names, at this stage of the year, it kind of feels like settling to me. I don't know, but would it be settling if you're going for a guy that's been locked into his job? Like, well, is Matt Campbell settling? Matt Campbell, I feel like, is about the only name that it feels like right now that Michigan fans would be satisfied with from a nationwide search. Because I, I just, like, guys that you mentioned, Mario Cristobal and Pat Fitzgerald, I know Cristobal even just getting to Miami. Mark's, Mark Stoops. But those two guys specifically... Pat Fitzgerald and Cristobal, they're at their alma mater. And this, you would imagine, is a dream come true job for them. Even coming, I mean, especially, I guess, coming off of the year Michigan had, do you really want to be the guy in to follow Jim Harbaugh, to follow beating Ohio State, a Big Ten championship, in the college football playoff? I think the job would be more attractive in 12 months, say Michigan goes 9-3 and three and is more of what we've seen in the last decade. Deion Sanders. Could you imagine Deion Sanders on the Michigan sideline? <laughs> that would be something. Hell, we know that he'd be able to recruit. My goodness. I can't imagine it, first of all, because at some point, if he keeps doing what he's doing and stealing recruits from the big boys, someone's eventually going to give him a shot. And I think the team that's most likely down the road, it's going to be his alma mater, and it's going to be Florida State because that program it's kind of like what Michigan went through, kind of what Nebraska's went through. The only difference is, is you're still in Florida with the recruiting capabilities, but the fall-off has been crazy since Jimbo's left, and who knows? If there's a guy right now with the momentum to kind of restore Florida State, if he has the right guys in there, if he has the ability to call X's and O's the right way, why not? Guys, you you know who is freshly available on, on the coaching market? Oh, let's hear it. Urban Frank Meyer. I I don't even I can't even comprehend that possibility. Yeah, that that's not happening. But another name that I think would be an interesting one that I think I would give a shot to uh, would be Bill O'Brien. You know, he had a he went through the Nick Saban coaching. What do you call it, Hayden? The coaching re, rehab or or whatever. So I I think I, he's got head coaching experience. It's a big name. I, he would not. He would. He would be like number five. I would say in my top five. But you know, I think I Bill O'Brien's a clown. He seems like a guy that will guarantee that Michigan is an eight or a nine win team every year, but guarantee that they're not going to be much more than that either. Yeah, I'm just throwing some names out there because you know they got to find somebody. Yeah. No. This is for Michigan fans. This is just the regrettable part about being good is that people want to vulture your coaches. And especially at this stage of the year, it's it'd be, it'd be a challenge to overcome. Other bit of news here for Buckeye fans, at least Hayden and I out here. Questionable, because we had a little fun with this, so I want to kind of turn it over to you. Zach Harrison is returning this next year, which you would imagine is going to probably take some snaps away from JTT and Jack Sawyer. So we were kind of friendly arguing about whether it's a good thing he's back and one that nobody can deny is a good thing that he's back. The best player in Ohio State, according to Casey a few weeks ago, Noah Ruggles. He is coming back. Kid missed one field goal last year. Just tough as nails, clutch as nails. And I just love this kid. And God, I, I don't know. Maybe we have at least one more 
game-winning kick and Noah Ruggles coming next year. But anyways, question for you guys. Like I said before, Zach Harrison's returning. Is this good for Ohio State? To save an argument with Hayden, I'll say, yeah, sure, it's fine. The actual answer to this is unquestionably yes, because he provides legitimate depth that you were going to lose. He's not going to take snaps away from JTT and Jack Sawyer. They're going to rotate anyway. He's going to take snaps away from Tyler Friday, who didn't play last year, and Javante Jean-Baptiste, who was probably a below average player. So it's no, it's not going to, it's not going to hurt JTT or Jack Sawyer at all. It provides great depth and somebody who is, he doesn't get the credit that he deserves. He is a great run defender. He is really good against the run. Is, th- does he have Joey Bosa and Chase Young sack stats? No, of course not. Has he lived up to what we thought he was going to be? No, but that doesn't make him a bad player. Anytime you can get somebody like him back, he was dude, this dude was going to be drafted. It was good. He was going to be a late round pick. Anytime you can get somebody like that back on your team, you're going to take them. I'm excited for the prospect that on third and long next year, that you're going to be able to have some of those fun packages where you're going to have three legitimate pass rushers on the field, where whether it be JTT or Jack Sawyer, hell, even Zach Harrison moving inside on like a third and eight, where you know that you're pinning your ears back. That part's cool. And I think that, like Hayden said, it's never a bad thing to have talent on your team. And if they do use him appropriately, I think this is a real plus. But naturally, we've seen, and it's not just an Ohio State thing, plenty of times throughout the year, whether it be one game or others, we question play calling more often than not on offense. But on defense, it's sometimes hidden with personnel like that. If he isn't used appropriately, or if JTT and Jack Sawyer do see 25 snaps in a game, opposed to what we would want them to be at next year, that's when I think it kind of gets a little tricky. Do you guys remember when Damon Arnett came back and everybody was like, oh, great, Damon Arnett came back. Who cares? Wish he, he did it now. Really... Freaking Raiders killing me. Well, yeah, now he looks bad, but... When he came back for that senior year, he made a real impact on that team, and nobody ever thought it was coming. And one thing that people overlook or or don't talk about Zach Harrison is he's like a year younger for his grade than what he is. This dude is only 20 years old. He was born in 2001. Like, he's going to be a 21-year-old senior next year. And maybe it just took that – maybe it will take that extra year for him to develop into what everybody thought he was going to be. Like – I, I get irrationally fired up when getting a guy who was literally going to be drafted back is somehow spun into a bad thing. I don't have personally too much to add here. Only thing is that I would say is it's kind of gross that we're getting to the point that everybody in college football is born 2000 or after. It makes me feel so old and gross and I just hate all of it. But I, I don't disagree, Hayden. It, it, when you have talent, it's a it's not a bad thing. It never is a bad thing. I don't know. We're we're panicked at this time of year. We think of hypotheticals that may or may not happen. I'm hoping that he does well. And with another year in that system, who knows? Maybe he excels. That is going to bring us to the end of another episode of Pigskins and Nylon, brought to you by Tabbies.com, the world's best Delta edible. We'll be back next week. Where we'll have a bit more basketball to talk about and perhaps an answer as to where Jim Harbaugh will be coaching next fall. If you like our podcast, please share it and spread it around to your friends and family. 
And make sure you go and follow us on Twitter at P&NPod, Facebook at P&NPod, and Instagram also at P&NPod. Short show for you guys today. Probably going to be a little bit more like this the next few months before we get into the Big Ten tournament play. But what do you guys want to leave our listeners with today? So everybody who knows me knows that I live near Finley, Ohio, and Finley has a couple kids who are being recruited really, really highly. And one is Luke Montgomery, who is going to be uh, a senior next year. And I was reading an interview. He's a top 100 player, I think. I think he's a high four star. He's not a five star, but he, he's a he's a really high, highly rated recruit. And he has made the decision that he's going to play offensive line in college, which from everything that it relates to Ohio State, that is a good thing because Ohio State's been recruiting as an, as an offensive tackle. And the other main competitor is Notre Dame, who's been recruiting him as a defensive end. So things seem to be trending in a positive direction for the Finley, Ohio kid going to the to the state school. And his dad actually said in the interview that they, that he is looking to commit in May, so in a couple months. So, uh, Buckeye fans, keep keep uh, on alert for that because I think things are trending in a positive direction. God, yeah, it'd be great to have a little offensive line help. Buckeyes desperately need that. Casey, how about over on your end? Got anything you want to leave us with today? Yeah, I really don't have a good final thought this week since, you know, last week was my Steelers. I don't want to jinx any any team by saying – by rooting for him. So, uh, you know, go follow our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter pages. We're trying to grow still. So, yeah, that's my final thought. Yeah, similar. Hey, good luck to Hayden, your Buccaneers. You know, we have plenty of Bengal listeners out there. So, who day to you guys? Good luck to you guys as well. Outside of that, that's about all I have. Really looking forward to some high-quality NFL football this weekend. Four more games. Love this. It's probably my favorite weekend of the football year because you get back-to-back Saturday, back-to-back Sunday, standalone games. It's hard to beat that, so it's going to be great. But outside of that, that's all I got, guys. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you back here next week for episode 52 of Pigskins and Nylon.